Hello, hello, hello. We are live on the side quest. I should say I'm alive. I'm alive? I am live on the side quest. It is I, Dolly Domofsky, running solo tonight. <clears throat> Should be a hopefully a fun show, a nice quick show. Usually when I'm when I'm doing things solo, I tend to get through everything uh, fairly quickly, and then I start rambling, like I am right now. But uh, either way, it is um, uh, it's been a week. Uh, I know we talked a lot about stuff last week, and there's more stuff happening this week. So uh, I say let's just kind of get to it. That would be the ideal situation. Um, big news, of course, everybody's been talking about is Xbox. What is Xbox going to do? Well, uh, last week they mentioned uh, Phil, good old Phil Spencer, said, hey, we hear you. We have uh, a plan to uh, tell you all about what um, Xbox's future is going to be. So... Uh, we're going to do that next week. Well, next week is here, and uh, Xbox has said, you know, join us for a special edition of the Xbox, official Xbox podcast, here from Phil, Sarah, Matt Booty. And that's going to be, look at that, that's going to be this Thursday, the day after Thanksgiving, February 15th, uh, they're doing a podcast. <clears throat> okay, they're doing it in a podcast format now. I bring that up because uh, what it kind of means, it kind of feels like to me is that there are some things that are sort of being blown out of proportion. Xbox isn't going third party. <clears throat> I think Phil even addressed um, the staff in like an internal town hall that sort of leaked out there. Um, at least not full third party. I think what's happening is Xbox is kind of continuing. We've, we've talked about this. They're kind of continually, let me get the microphone right about here. They're continually evolving. Come on, Dolly. Do it. There we go. Much better. Much better. They're evolving their business, right? That's what they're doing. They are making sure that Xbox is going to be, A, around for a long time um, and is able to be flexible and pivot and all that kind of stuff. And B, start now to be flexible and try to get Xbox in front of everybody. That was always the plan, right? They've been saying it for God knows how many years now, last couple of years at least, that they want Xbox on everything. That's what Game Pass is about. It's streaming. Their streaming stuff is about. They want Xbox everywhere, <clears throat> and I think that's what this uh, this event's gonna, gonna 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 kind of talk to. Now, if it was a big giant Xbox is officially going third party, you probably would have seen a much bigger hullabaloo internally from Xbox, a press event or uh, some type of showcase or whatever. That's not that's not what's happening. It is a podcast. And they're literally just saying, hey, we're sitting down for this. We're going to talk about what Xbox is up to, talk about our business, you know, the future of our business or whatever they want to say, whatever the terminology was. Um, but in the end, I really do think it's more of, hey, uh, yeah, we want to get our games in front of everybody. And, you know, there are a couple that have been rumored or there have been several that have been rumored, a couple that are kind of the most obvious, which is um, I think Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment are the two latest ones that are that could potentially shadow drop uh tomorrow or sorry thursday um uh, at some point uh or you know over the next the next week or two on the switch on playstation on other platforms and i think those are those are fine those get those games and everything because you need to fund your your studios game pass has sort of 
slowed down in growth, right? I think Xbox wanted to have something like 70 million uh, Game Pass, some number like that, by uh, by 2030. And uh, they've started slowing down. They're at like 33 million. So they they that percentage is shrinking. Like they were at 25 million. Now they're at 33 million. But that percentage has gone from like staggering growth to uh, slowing down, screeching type of growth. And, and part of that because, you know, you don't, you, A, don't have those exclusives to pull people in. Starfield didn't do much for pulling new people into Xbox. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it, it had some decent numbers, but definitely Redfall didn't. Forza didn't. Um, so they need to keep those numbers going, keep those numbers growing. But uh, in the meantime, you still got to sell games and you still got to get money coming in if your subscriptions aren't happening. So start putting some of those games out there. And I think that's what they're going to talk to. And I also think that a part of Xbox's business is going to go towards <clears throat> Xbox as the brand and really kind of pushing the Xbox brand, which is the opposite of what a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the, the irate fans have have been feeling over the last uh, the last couple of weeks here. I actually think this is this is going to be a stronger Xbox brand because they may, you know, they'll still can they'll still make their consoles, they'll still make products, but I think now they might be reaching uh, into some agreements with other players potentially to do some co-branded products. I mean, how cool would an Xbox handheld be? Microsoft doesn't need to make the handheld. They can partner with someone. They've already kind of dabbled in it a little bit with like the Logitech and the the ally and all that kind of stuff. But what if they actually fully partnered partnered with the company to put out a handheld system that runs Xbox is like native to Xbox and other things. Hey, what's up, Exadrimus? Um, <clears throat> uh, what if they partnered with, uh, you know, NVIDIA or I'm sorry, what if they partnered with like, uh, I'm, I'm staring at my, my MSI laptop here. What if there is an MSI gaming uh, Xbox laptop or a standalone MSI device that's that runs Xbox games and runs Xbox stuff. I think those those are the the opportunities that Microsoft really does have. Remember the Steam Box? There's that whole Steam Box thing that that kind of came and went because Steam wasn't a hardware, you know, Valve's not a hardware company or back then they weren't. And they tested the waters on what a <clears throat> Steam branded product could be. In this case, I think an Xbox branded product, I mean, you could have Xboxes, right? With like the main tower being Microsoft and have all these other companies now. TVs with Xbox, right? Fridges with Xbox. Boxes designed by Logitech or MSI or, you know, Republic of Gamer, whoever made, you know, to made specifically to run Xbox stuff. And I think that for Xbox, for Microsoft, that's great because it gets your brand out there, gets you money in more places. And, and so on. And then, yeah, sell those games on PlayStation a year later, several months later. Let them launch first because you want people getting Game Pass. But those folks that are PS5 and Switch 2 owners aren't going to jump over and buy an Xbox console. Probably not. Right? PlayStation person may not buy an Xbox. I think Microsoft knows the physical console war is sort of over at this point. There's or I should say that there isn't one at this point. I think the numbers came out that Sony was selling PlayStations at least two to one over Xbox. Um, and Nintendo is the same same boat. It's like two to one X you know, this generation. So it, uh, it it's a too big of a number to try to make up. So instead of the 
hardware side, focus on the services, focus on the back end, and make Xbox the brand that it's like Intel. Everything has Intel in it. Everything has NVIDIA inside in it. Why can't it have Xbox in it? You can still make your own box. Make other stuff. So I think that's kind of an interesting, interesting thing. We'll find out on Thursday on the 15th. Um, and we'll go from there. But, you know, we're in the prime gaming news season right now, or the kickoff of the gaming news season right now. I know there's rumors of a Nintendo Direct happening, um, more of like a partner or an indie direct, probably more of an indie slash something in the mix between an indie and partner direct happening on, potentially happening on Thursday. They've gotten all their first party stuff out that they were going to get out. They have a game launching next week um, in Mario, or is it this week? I don't know. Maybe it's this week. The Mario game. Uh, so having like an indie direct or a partner direct is, is, is the right call. In fact, having a straight up partner direct where you're going to announce a bunch of third party games that are coming to this, to the OG switch when you know the switch two is on its way would kind of be a mess. I don't know if that's the, the right move. I think that might be a little bit too, too late, right? You don't want to tell people, Hey, buy these games for the old console. And then like a month later, talk about the new console that, that doesn't seem to doesn't seem to jive i'm guessing it's going to be more of like an indie style direct and maybe we will get like hollow knight maybe we'll get some other stuff that that is being worked on to pop up i think that's probably a little bit more likely is that you'll get an indie direct rather than a partner direct or a full-on direct but regardless <clears throat> like i said it's the beginning of the of the season we are already had the, the developer direct from xbox we had the playstation uh showcase we have packs coming up and then oh, summer game fest right it used to be e3 there's no longer an e3 but wait just because there's no longer e3 and summer game fest is kind of out there summer game fest is a uh, a stage show uh, live streamed uh, maybe it was maybe it was in person last year i don't know but it's definitely a stage show with some stuff that is hands-on for press and, and you know hands-on for media and influencers just smaller setup that's because jeff Keeley and his uh you know the game boards promotions aren't big money bringers in, in you know in, in terms of like giant sponsors willing to fund all this stuff a lot of that was was worked together with companies that were already kind of planning on being out there bandai namco sega that kind of stuff like there were companies that were already planning on being in la at the time and so uh Jeff and the Game Awards folks did a good job in sort of corralling them and getting them sort of linked up and start starting to work together without having to pump in too much of their own money. But <clears throat> one company that could potentially do it and is trying to do it, as announced um, today, is IGN. And IGN is going to be hosting what they're calling, let me get this thing loaded up here, da, 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 da. Something called IGN Live. Um, so they've done their their whole summer of gaming, which is just a weird. I still think that's like too too on the nose. Um, summer of gaming event, uh, but now they're which has always been sort of streamed, and it's essentially it was taking the live streams from everything else and putting it on a schedule with a, a few kind of. They're a few of their own streams as well, and they mix in a lot of movies and that kind of thing. Um, this year, they're actually hosting something called IGN Live, which is uh, look at it, an in-person fan event in LA, and it's three-day event. E3 was three days: um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
they haven't announced too much information about this, except that world there'll be world-class talent parties, networking opportunities, unique attractions. Really, you know, they're going to have panels. They're going to have game debuts, first looks, tournaments, uh, all the IGN shows, blah, blah, blah. You can kind of go on their website and, the, you know, and read up more about it. But it's sort of a mini, mini E3. It's a, it's a little bit more than what Summer Game Fest was is which is like i said stage show with hands-on for some media this is going to be definitely geared towards in almost like a this is more of a festival vibe than a summer game fest in a way uh but i'm i'm kind of excited weirdly about this because it's if you know exactly what you're doing right away which is make it an in-person fan event and start there and then work with companies i think you may have an opportunity and again ign uh they're Parent company has a ton of money. They got advertising money up the wazoo. They have the partners that um, folks like Jeff Keeley and and other other groups that were doing it, GameSpot, I think, were, as well, um, that that they necessarily don't. So uh, I'm really interested to see what what this turns out to be. Is it going to be an E3? Uh, you know, E3 brought back? Nah. I mean, E3 was massive, <clears throat> but if you're going to have all the gaming companies. Uh, that want to come back to LA um, to all at the same time to kind of showcase their words because all the media and all the business folks are there at the same time. That was the advantage of, of Game Fest this last year and even the Game Awards this past year is that you get the entire industry still kind of coming back to do some little business, some little networking. Uh, so they're already going to be there. If they already want to be there, make kind of make an event out of it so good for them uh, i'm curious what's going to be and i'm curious what summer game fest how they're going to respond and how other companies will other groups will respond to uh, but uh <clears throat> that might be it for the news really there hasn't been a ton of news like i said everybody's been sort of waiting for the xbox stuff to drop holding their breath whatever um uh so we're, we're in a waiting period, but um, we can play games uh, between then and up until up until that happens. And I have been playing a couple games. I'll talk about the first one, and then I'll talk about the reviews. The first one, uh, I've been getting through, um, not, not playing Final Fantasy, which I should be, the remake, uh, or Half-Life 2. It's coming, trust me. Um, <clears throat> but I am playing Sonic Superstars. I think I bought that on, like, super cheap sale over the Black Friday time, time frame. Um, for like 20 bucks or something crazy like that. And Sonic Superstars is very much a modern Sonic game in that uh, you have giant levels and you can kind of take the level anywhere, go wherever you'd like and and, and explore. And then you kind of get to the end of the level. And um, sometimes you just go through a, a signpost, call it a day, and sometimes you face uh, a, a boss battle. And... Uh, First half the game is actually really enjoyable. Tons of fun. The level, the level design, all the levels are actually great. It's a lot of fun. They do a lot of interesting effects, going in the foreground, background, flipping things up and down, uh, doing the pinball style levels. Um, but the boss battles suck ass in this game, <laughs> especially towards the end. Those last like three, four levels where you're you're riding on uh, rails or running as fast as you can from left to right to just keep up with the bosses as things are moving, whether you're on a rocket ship or you're running and you have to jump out of the way and try to land on stuff. It's just 
it's it sucks. Like it took me several tries, several tries to get through things because there's no like markers in between. You can very easily, uh, you know, you got the rings, right? The golden rings that uh, that Sonic is known for. Well, um, it doesn't matter how how many rings you collect. You're gonna have 375 rings, and you're gonna hit one little tiny spike thing because the game forces you to follow a specific path in, in some areas. And you're gonna lose all those rings, and you're gonna, you're gonna be down to one ring. So um, that's typical Sonic. That's why I'm not the biggest fan of of, of Sonic games in that way. But um, it, at the very least, it's just it's really really smooth game. I'm playing it on Switch. Uh, a really smooth game, gorgeous level design. Uh, I, I like everything about it except for those except for those boss battles. So, um, but the game I am playing, <clears throat> I got the review code for uh, from Aspire. Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remasters. I've been playing that for the last week. Um, and uh, I've got to say, I am uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with this. So I'm going to let me play a video here. Uh, I'm going to let this video uh, do this on my desktop. It's on my desktop. I'm going to let this play in the background. Oh, that's a huge video. Okay. Go here. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Tomb Raider remastered. <clears throat> It is, uh, so the Tomb Raider was this series, maybe this will loop, hopefully it loops, I don't know. Tomb Raider was sort of a series that kind of, it felt like it owned the 90s. Um, you, you really couldn't go anywhere within the gaming sphere without, without it popping up. Like Laura, Laura, Lara, 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 Lara Croft, she was like this polygonal slash pixelated heroine that, um, was kind of on the same at the time was on the same level as uh mario and sonic and some of the biggest like there were pillars of gaming and lara croft was up there like mario sonic lara croft and pac-man like those are the four uh in that era and um those first three games are massive yeah yeah chestnut pointy enough zero out of five um uh and so you know that 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 era was great i mean it was for for those who were growing up in the '90s, you know, um, everybody played, everybody talked about it, everybody remembered that era and what that era kind of meant uh, meant to us growing up. For me, it was uh, junior high, middle school, and high school, and a little bit of college. And uh, yeah, it, it the Tomb Raider games. Let me hit that a little more. The Tomb Raider games were like a big part of gaming back then. I still kind of get that same nostalgia now when I when I think about it. And the era still kind of holds the same gaming nostalgia, like the N64 and the PlayStation. Like that was that was the battleground. You had the PC stuff, which is cool, which this came in, but N64, PlayStation. And I knew Lara Croft Tomb Raider as a PlayStation game because <clears throat> that's where I was most exposed to it. Wasn't wasn't really a PC gamer at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, like. That was the '90s. The Tomb Raider changed a lot since then, right? It, oh, you know, that original trilogy had very specific touches and very specific methods of, of play. Over the years, after that, through the two thousands, twenty elevens, you know, kind of developed those more gaming thing themes. Took them on like more storytelling. Um, started borrowing back from like the games that that sort of spun from it, like Uncharted. It started borrowing back from Uncharted and even like was an enslaved Odyssey to the West. I don't know if, if folks have played that one, some of the action adventure in that one. Like a lot of those details started to seep back into seep into Tomb Raider. And those those actually came from Tomb Raider in a way, right? So uh 
Tomb Raider kind of went away from being this pure style game. Hit the replay button. Pure style game into something that was more um, modernized. Well, like I said, the original trilogy had a lot of purity. It really was sort of about action and these big set pieces and big tombs. <clears throat> the ideas of like levels and collection and all that kind of stuff. Um, like there were cinematic sequences, like I said, but it really was about how we made our way through those levels, you know, what treasures we picked up, how fast we could get through, how many enemies we could avoid or shoot, you know, things like that, the gamey things. <clears throat> um, excuse me. So, uh, so remastered makes it more apparent like than ever to me that gaming has changed and evolved and learned from itself and like all for the better, you know, like I mentioned for those things. So, um, and the moment I started playing, and you can kind of see uh, in, the, in the video right here, uh, it, it really kind of felt like the 90s all over again, or at least like what I remembered, what I felt like I remembered the games looked like back then. You know, you see the see some of the views here, and you look at the original, it's like super blocky, but then you see the modern versions, and they've done some really nice renders and really updated po polygonal stuff with, uh, with the characters. And updated textures, dynamic lighting, um, shadows, and, and you know, rain <laughs> is actually better now. It's it's not just at, in one angle. It's not one layer. Um, let me kind of go over here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, here we go. So this this is Lara now. It's Lara Croft. She, she used to be, let's see. She used to be this, and we thought this was amazing. But yeah, looking back now, you can remember that was Lara Croft. Like, this is what we know of Laura Croft um, now. Like this is what was rendered on the game boxes. Now they're actually able to take those boxes, that, those posters, and make them the actual games. So I really felt like they did a, a really cool job of doing that. You know, um, but yeah, that nostalgia is like right there. It updates all the visuals. Uh, everything kind of feels pixel perfect. It's actually like a really impressive way to update a game without kind of breaking what it's meant to be we saw that with like some of the halo master chief collection stuff and other games do that too um but it's really impressive here because it is more of like like i said what we thought the game looked like based on some of the covers and some of the advertisements so uh but it, it's it's like modern without trying to be realistic i guess maybe that's the best way to say it um and it's really easy to kind of flip back and forth between the classic visuals and the modern visuals and i like that because uh the dev team made for some reason they made the modern visuals almost a little bit too dark because of the dynamic lighting and shading um so for some reason like there'll be some areas where you'd be inside a cave and it's just really dark so switch back to the original visuals which had smaller color palette and that the lighting was always pointing in the same direction to get through some of those areas. So like I found myself flipping back and forth from a gameplay method rather than just, you know, visual method rather than just like my, my taste. So that, I thought that was a kind of interesting thing. I don't know if that was intended. It probably wasn't, but uh, it, it worked in a way. Um, and and on, on the switch, it even runs at like F 60 FPS, which is kind of amazing. It's a really great take on that, on that style like this is this is tomb raider this is what i remember tomb raider and it looks really good on modern consoles there's like there's a bunch of 
collectibles and modes. There's like all the expansions are there. Which a lot of people who those of us who played on console didn't get a chance to play. Um, it's kind of amazing they're able to fit everything in and make that kind of nostalgia really rip through. But it's almost default. And what I mean by that is like camera still really bad because of the control method. I'll get to that momentarily. But like I will find myself getting stuck in corners up against walls under overpasses all the time. And um, so the camera would be clipping nonstop. Like I'd be seeing the back of the of the wall instead of staring at it with 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 Lara, with Lara in, in that direction. And that, that made for some awkward sequences and moments. I would have to back myself out to try to try to find out where it was. And sometimes you would fall off a ledge because those are just kind of um, faced in the wrong way, right? They're, the, the camera just doesn't doesn't quite work. Uh, and then the other thing, and this is this is the one that really irked me, is that the controls, the controls are still stuck in that classic era. And what I'm what I mean by that is <clears throat> you have those tank controls that the games were initially designed with, right? The game was tank controls, you stop, you turn, move, turn, move, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what made that the game kind of function the way they were. Well, obviously modern games don't don't really play out like that. So they they allow you to switch to what they call modern controls, um, but they're not modern enough, right? So uh, the modern controls are still like, let me rephrase it this way. In typical modern games, you can you can actually get momentum when you're jumping. You can um, you can actually jump from like standstill and move in a direction, tilt the stick one way, tilt the stick the other way. Every modern game has it, from 2D games to 3D games to everything in between. 4D VR, I don't know. Um, you, you don't do that in, in, in this game. You have to be moving, still have to move in the same direction and jump. You, you need that momentum. And I know this game is built on momentum, but that really holds it. And I I also know that if they went with something that was actually a very modern control method, you'd probably break the game, right? You'd, you'd be able to, it would either be way too easy or, um, you know, the opposite may end up being way too hard because all the, ga the game is, was built because of the controls back in the day. And so I, it, it just feels like a, it's still being held back by that. Like th that was a part that, that made me, not love that era. Like I was falling into pits all the time. And listen, I don't fall in pits anymore. Like I'm pretty, pretty dang good at like action platformers, but man, it's, uh, it just, it, my modern brain wouldn't let me do that. Like revert back to that because it just, it just felt, felt wrong. And so I think, you know, the, they made the controls modern, but the character doesn't move modern. I think that's still somehow broken. But um, anyways, probably. Uh, it's still like a really great collection of those original games. And I, I know there have been like collections before, and HD re-releases, whatever. Um, the actual remaster like brings a bunch of those cool touches to the series. I just wish they took that extra step, made one more adjustment or two to the controls and the camera. Um, to make it feel more modern, um, but I, I mean, maybe that would have to you have to change a lot of the game to do that. I don't know. Regardless, um, it's still worth picking up. It's great. Like I'm not, I don't talk about pricing when I review stuff, but it's a great price. It's, like it's right there. It's 
if you are a fan of those original games, you can pick it up. And if you've never played those original Tomb Raider games and you want to see what, what they were like, definitely this is the version. This is the version to get, you know. It's it's really cool to kind of relive that era again in all of its tank control glory <laughs> and kind of what we thought of, uh, what we remember of the era. So, yeah. Um, nicely nicely done. Uh, I, this is the way to do some of these remasters. Take that extra little step, but uh, that, that would really make a killer. But I think for for what they've accomplished here, it's 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 pretty awesome. I'm I'm really uh, surprised at how well this how well this turned out. And again, no nothing against Aspire and that team over there. It's just that again, you've you're able to remake a game and capture the the memories rather than just update the game. I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, all those collectibles are, are really neat too. So yeah, that's it. That's Tomb Raider one two three remastered. Um, definitely kind of kind of check it out. Uh, that's all we got for today's app. Uh, like I said, it was just me. Got, look at that, half hour, 29 minutes. Perfect. I'm not going to dilly-dally. I'm going to get us out of here. Find us sidequesting.com, sidequesting TV on YouTube and Twitch, at sidequesting uh, over at Bluetooth, I guess, sidequesting Graham on uh, Instagram, and X, where I think we're sidequesting. But, yeah, just go to sidequesting.com, hop in our Discord, chit-chat with us. Um there's a bunch of stuff coming in pretty soon. Hey, thank you, Zero. Very nice chat, too. Uh, yeah. um, bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, we got PAX East, which is going to be a blast. Got our panel there, and I'm so excited. We got an awesome group of folks going to talk about their best uh, seven-rated games. Um, but, yeah, you'll see us there. So that's it. Final SideQuest.com. We'll see you on the next episode of The SideQuest. Bye-bye. Charles is secure in my head.